Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about the Dems gotcha flops reveals Democrat cluelessness. Interview with Jen Johnson, a former cadet at the U.S. Coast Guard Academy. Kanye loses J.P. Morgan, but gains parlor. And pro-American boldness is winning. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. Over this coming week and next week, I will tell you more about the summit we held over the weekend. We had just this past weekend, the third annual Women for Freedom Summit. To say that it was an overwhelming and wonderful success does not begin to describe. And really it's because of the caliber of the speakers, the people who just want to speak up for this precious country, the substances and seriousness, every single person was very serious, very in point, uh, and actually the caliber of our guests. We have people like those who tune into this show who deeply care about America, who are not persuaded by slogan slinging and just kind of the, the high level political disputes. They're into substance and seriousness about America and that's what they got. They simply loved it. I did too. We'll be playing some of those clips over next week probably, and I'll tell you more about it uh, later in this week as the week goes on. It was a great, great, great summit. Um, and I thank each and every one of you. In fact, I met a lot of you. People came up to me after the summit was over. We had a little happy hour in the hallway in this lovely hotel after the summit was over. And several people came up and said, hi, I came from, you know, it was California, Virginia, uh, just a variety of states. People came in to, for the summit. It was just so wonderful. So thank you if you came and, and supported it. And then you should know as soon as we can, I think, I hope next week, We'll have the summit up on our website so you can listen to each speaker if you'd like and to the panels. It was just a great celebration of America's greatness. But the real thing I want to say in the first five today is this. You know how I often play clips from Project Veritas? And that is a run by James O'Keefe, headed up, founded by James O'Keefe, who happens to, his family at least, lives around here in the Dallas area. I don't know where he lives. But in any case, he does these videos where he gets someone who is uh, gains the confidence of someone inside uh, various organizations and gets them to speak candidly on camera. And the whole point is we soon learned from the very early on when we learned all about what ACORN was like uh, and really their agenda. We learned Planned Parenthood. We learned countless organizations, public school teachers who openly confess, yes, I do this job because I want to turn my students into communist revolutionaries because they think they're talking to someone who's on their side. Project Veritas, I can't say enough. It just really complimentary things about them. Well, a funny thing happened. A, a bunch of liberals thought that they would create kind of the liberal version of Project Veritas. And I'm going to tell you their name because it's really funny. They actually thought they were doing this. And maybe they will someday. But right now, the organization they founded um, had a woman. Okay, I'm not going to find her name fast enough. But in any case, she, this woman, attempted to kind of be Project Veritas on the conservative, on the liberal side. So she got, she was at some function, and I'm gonna apologize for the quality of video before we play it, but she was at some function where they had a speaker 
somebody, and so that's main, the voice being picked up is the speaker. But there was also in this room, so she's there and she's talking to a, a, a member of Congress who is uh, running for re-election and uh, she got him, she, this is the Arizona 7th District and got him because she thought he was just really, um, you know, she got this great, great confession out of him. The guy's name, he's a House Freedom Caucus member, uh, 7th Congressional District in Arizona, named Dave Schweikert. So she's in the, in the same room, the speech is ongoing, and obviously she's talking to him, and he's holding a baby. I think it's her baby. I think she befriended him. Oh, I want to hold my baby, blah, blah. So she's asking questions in whispered tones, and he's answering her. And so what you can hear in this clip is a speech in the background and this whispering conversation going on between this woman who's a uh, Project Veritas wannabe on the liberal side. And the captions, there is fortunately, there is captioning so that you can actually read what they are whispering back and forth. The funny thing about this is, I'll comment more after you play it, is this is how leftists think. They actually thought that what they got him to say would be harmful to his campaign, would make people not like him. The simple fact is, I think his campaign is considering using it as a campaign ad. It is so hilarious that this is what Democrats think will hurt some Republican incumbent. So if you would please, Emilio, let's play that clip of Congressman Schweikert. And I'm going to read you the caption that to see. Um, Actually, there's a label on my husband and my brother are from on January 6th. And and they're in the All these things are doing that these free fighters are like in the jail and getting I think it's terrible. It's yeah. And I'm just hoping you guys are going to fight for them to get pardoned. But if they were gotten on their own, they would need to win the White House. Is there that can happen? That we can fight? We have the White House. We can do that. But not until we win the White House. So Mayorkas and then who? The Secretary of State. He's an ultra Because of their conduct, 
I mean, leaving alone entirely January 6th because of their conduct in continuing to investigate the non-existent collusion between Trump and Russia and perpetuating the myth in the minds of the American people that there was something there to investigate, that Trump may have committed some wrongdoing. I mean, there are, there are many, many instances in which the FBI clearly seems to have engaged in what can only be described as a partisan witch hunt, partisan conduct. They go after January 6th defendants, don't seem to mind all the people, you know, Antifa and Black Lives Matter people who burned down America's cities for two years. So a lot of people want to go after the FBI, but this, and this guy actually put this out there thinking this will really go viral, which it didn't. But the more serious point is, you know, people say all the time we, we are a divided country. And it's true that ever since our country was founded, we don't have 100% of the people in agreement on any issue. Not any issue since, since America began, and no country does. You have people are permitted to have a wide range of views. In America, the left has tried to use the argument that America is deeply divided and that it's really all Trump's fault, that because Trump divided us, this is why we're divided. And the only way we're going to ever come back as a country is to assure we have Trump out of the picture. And as you know, Biden ran on and claimed himself to be a unifier. And in fact, in his creepy speech at Independence Hall in Philadelphia, spoke of himself as a unifier and his mission to unify as he is just decimating everyone who won't agree with him. And, and it really in a very, in unspoken ways, but really threatening people who don't agree with him. To get around the point to say, I truly think this Dworkin guy who put this video out and actually thought it would go viral and actually would hurt Schweikert, it is a window on how deluded some Americans are. This guy, obviously a leftist, has no idea that I would argue a majority of Americans don't trust the FBI. A majority of Americans do not trust the IRS. They most certainly don't trust the Biden administration. They don't trust that we live in a country that has law and order under the meaning and intent of the Constitution and that whole concept, one of the most important underlying concepts of America, the rule of law. The majority of Americans are very, very deeply concerned that we've already lost that. We don't have, we do not have a rule of law country. We don't have an FBI that is reliable, that is operating with neutrality. We have an FBI that is deeply partisan, targeting the political enemies of this administration. And the fact that this guy, Dworkin, doesn't know this, I mean, I, I, he's not even, I'm telling you people, I started down the path of talking about how people say we're a deeply divided country. I'm telling you, the majority of Americans, a significant majority of Americans, do not like what the Biden administration is doing to this country. They do not like a whole host of policies coming out of the Biden administration. They don't like his treatment of the January 6th prisoners. They don't like his treatment of the border. They don't like the abandonment of the rule of law that we are watching before our very eyes. They don't like the idea that a Democrat majority in Washington just funded 89,000 new IRS agents to hassle Americans in their home. And they most certainly don't believe that that IRS uh, new funding and new uh, beefed up staffing is going to result in the neutral application of law and the neutral uh, application of, for example, IRS audits. People are deeply concerned about this country. Most people hearing that Dworkin whispering to that woman were cheering him, excuse me, hearing Congressman Schweikert whispering to that woman were cheering him on. They've doubled down, can't wait to vote for him. That was another one of the funny comments. Are you allowed to vote for him twice? 
But on a serious note, there are people in this country so deluded, as this guy is, Dwork, and put that out, they actually think that that would go viral. And all it really is a commentary on is how completely clueless the radical left wing in this country is. They do not know how few people agree with them. They do not know how unpopular the Biden administration is. And if we can have anything approximating a fair election uh, in just next month, they will soon find out. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So we have a gentleman joining us today on the show, joining us via Skype. I mentioned last week, if you were tuned in, I think it was Wednesday, uh, we had a woman join us. She was a, her name is Sophia Galdamez, and she attended and was a senior at United States Coast Guard Academy. And the reason I came into to in contact with her, I had meant to mention introducing her, and I want to say it very quickly today, is through a group called STARS, which is S-T-A-R-R-S, STARS, which is the acronym for Stand Together Against Racism and Radicalism in the Services. And their website is stars, S-T-A-R-R-S dot U-S. Um, quite a while ago, I can't remember the context, but they reached out to me to tell me their mission, which essentially was to try to expose and then oppose the wokeness in America's military academies. This group happens to be kind of centered uh, outside of the... Um, Let's see, it's in Colorado, in, I can't remember, what, some area in Colorado, Colorado Springs, outside of Colorado Springs Air Force Academy. And these are largely comprised of military, um, our America's military institutions who have banded together to say the wokeness that is alarming so many Americans that has permeated the academic institutions in our country, many foundations, um, just really permeated America's culture has actually managed to permeate its way, make its way into the U.S. military academies. We've had in the show many times, Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer. He was the Air Force Academy grad who went on to become, after several other steps in his military career, became a commander in the U.S. Space Force and wrote a book, essentially pointing out that Marxism has taken over America's military institutions, much to the detriment of our country, of our, of our readiness for war, of our capacity to serve as an active unified military. He's a great speaker, great guy. In fact, he spoke at our summit of this past weekend. So they reached out and said, you know, you need to, we'd love to have you share some of these stories about one aspect of what's occurring in the military academies, and that is the removal of otherwise wonderful young Americans, cadets in our military academies who are being removed because of their uh, unwillingness to accept the COVID vaccine. Uh, and with even with very serious and rightful um, you know, reasons for the, uh, speaking of religious exemption. And so I featured last week, Sophia Galdamez. Today we have joining us, and he's joining us via Skype. We have Jim Johnson. He also is at the U.S. Coast Guard Academy. And I want you to meet him. And the reason I'm doing these stories I want to put a face, a human face, a human life in your thinking when we talk about these policies and, and whether they are right and good, the lives impacted by these policies, and especially in this case, it is the militant demand that people accept the COVID vaccine regardless of all the mountain of evidence that we have reported and others on its lack of efficacy. It was sufficiently, not sufficiently tested lack of efficacy and actual danger to people accepting the vaccine. So please let's welcome to the show, Jen Johnson. Hi there, Jen. How's it going, Debbie? I'm fine. I'm happy to see you. And I often joke with our guests, I always say it's the first five, usually goes a little longer than five, but you know, 
here we are. Okay, so I want to just jump in. So you, I mentioned to our listeners, you were at the Coast Guard Academy, and I do want to have you talk more about what occurred there. But I'd love, since we talked earlier today, you told me uh, kind of your life background a bit, how you ended up there, your kind of growing up life story. And a lot of it was really interesting and, and unique. And so I'd love to have you share that with our listeners, kind of how you ended up there, where you started out on this uh, path to getting to the uh, Coast Guard Academy. Sounds good. And then uh, before I do any of that, I just want to put a shout out there to STARS just throughout for all the help that they've ha- kind of given us through this whole situation. They've got us in contact with the lawyers and the uh, the law firms that we need to in order to get everything done, as well as helped with fundraising a little bit. And I really wouldn't have been in this position without them. So I just want to give them a shout out first and I'll get on to my story, I guess. So, so uh, my name is Jim Johnson and uh, I would be a senior now at the Coast Guard Academy if I didn't get kicked out last September, but it's still an ongoing case and we'll figure that one out as it comes along. But yeah, I was, uh, to give you context to who I am, I was adopted when I was 11 months old from South Korea. I lived first seven years of my life in Minnesota after that, after which my dad's job moved him to uh, Shanghai, China actually for his, just for a move into occupation. And I got to experience what life was like in a foreign country for the first time, essentially. After that, I moved back to the States, and then um, I kind of had a desire to give back to the country that had given me so much privilege through one of the services. And that's how I ended up at the Coast Guard Academy. So I just looked at all of the uh, military branches and decided that the Coast Guard was the one that best fit my desire, I guess, to give back to the country that gave so much to me. Okay, I'm going to just jump in right there just to say, even that much of your life story is just really heart melting. I mean, someone who has, number one, uh, not born in America, but came to America and lived life in Minnesota, one of my favorite states, even though they're a little bit left-wing lunatic, and then uh, also spent time in China. So I'd love just a little, I know you you weren't there as a teenager, but you were there as a old enough to remember it. And I I took away some image of China as... Uh, a country very different in its freedom, uh, commitment to freedom of the, of the citizens than you see here. So can you talk a little bit about what chi- your memories of China? Yeah, so that's pretty, cor- that's, you're pretty correct in that analysis there. So I really lived there from when I was about 7 to 12 slash 13. And yes, it is a, it's a very different place to be living for all the people who have never lived in a foreign country. Even though we were kind of in like the nice areas, like we lived in a compound where a bunch of other expats were living, but still right outside the gates, you leave the gate and you walk into a slump essentially that was right next to a canal and really gave you an in-depth view of what life is like for a lot of people in a lot of other countries, such as China and how freedoms are curtailed a lot there and how there's not as much opportunity that there is in the United States. One thing that I like to think about though is that um. Poorest people in the United States are just in such, in a lot better position to have a great life than pretty much anyone else in any other country. And having seen that in person really gives me a strong appreciation for that fact. Like, just seeing all the corruption with the cops being bribed and people getting taken away just for random reasons that uh, the government didn't like them, you know, just, it's very enlightening, so... Yeah, among many things, they're reflecting on, you're reflecting on the rule of law in America is supposed to be. We're a little bit troubled in that area right now, but it's supposed to be the idea that we can rely on our government to have a due process, 
provided to all and equal application of the law, which we're, we're, we're trying to get back to that right now. We're not there yet in America. We're trying to. Okay, but I want to talk about, so you went to the Coast Guard Academy, and I actually don't have my notes in front of me, but I think you said when you started in the Coast Guard Academy, it was 2019 as a freshman. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. So right before all the coronavirus stuff went down, so... Yeah. Okay. So you started 2019 and, you know, let me just, one thing I meant to say last week, I'm going to be sure of, is, is it your sense that when people go to the Coast Guard Academy or other military academies, they, the majority or a significant number of them intend after they graduate, not just to fill out their obligatory term, but they intend to make it a career, a, a uh, you become an officer and then make it a career that would last 20 years or so, which I think most people would do because then, then they're vested in retirement. So is that, that the goal you think of most people who go to these military academies? I don't know. It really depends on the academy too, because a lot of the services are different and a lot of people have different priorities, but I'd say for the Coast Guard Academy, at least as far as I can tell, we have the highest level of people that stay 10, 20 years, 30 years in the military as compared to pretty much any of the other academies, which have lower levels of retention for that long, so. Okay, and that's what, is that what you want to do? You want to stay in the, in the uh, U.S. Coast Guard and, and become an officer? Yeah, I mean, ever since I joined, that was pretty much my plan, still is, and um, I'm going to see if I can get back in and stay for as long as I can, so. Yeah, well, let's just quickly tell the story, which uh, for my listeners who are every day, they did hear some of this last week and, and speaking with Sophia Galdemez, but, you know, you had your own unique story, too. So uh, there are a few elements of the story, Wanda. So you went through freshman year, sophomore year, and, and really, so I'm trying to think your timing, by 2021, so be the, in your junior year, that would have been when there started to be a push toward the the vaccine. And, and, and tell me how that went down at the Coast Guard. Is it, was it first, it was first suggested, not mandatory? Tell me how that happened. Yeah, so ever since winter, my third class year, obviously, the vaccine became available to everyone, and then they kind of pushed everyone really hard to get it. Um, whether that was through uh, addresses or just subtle things, such as when I went to go tell them I'm not getting the vaccine, they just yelled it across the uh, gymnasium floor full of people. Hey, this kid isn't going to get the vaccine. They'd just be doing a lot of subtle things like that, telling you how you might be losing some of your privileges if you didn't get it. And it kind of just pushed a lot of people just to get it without really thinking about what exactly they're taking. So was your objection, so I mean, I know they came to your class and eventually it went from a suggestion or a request or some, however you'd word it, but it wasn't mandatory and it eventually moved into being mandatory for people in the Coast Guard. So was your objection to it when you were at the Coast Guard Academy, was it, was it entirely religious or were you also kind of questioning the content of the vaccine? Well, that's a great question. And then, um, so the mandate came out on August 24th, 2021, and that was when it, the vaccine supposedly got FDA approval, however it didn't. But yeah, I object to the vaccine on the religious aspect. I, I, I just don't agree with it on pretty much any aspect that you can imagine. So I think that the combination of all of those is what caused me to be so firm in my belief that I'm not gonna get this vaccine primarily of which is my religious objection to the use of aborted fetal cells and the development of it. So That's exactly right. I do want to ask you about that. So there was a process that the military has for a person to assert religious exemption or a request for religious exemption. Did you do everything you were supposed to do in that process? 
Yes, I did. And so I, I submitted my religious accommodation request initially sometime September, October, that area of 2021. And I had to write essentially what is a six, 7,000 word essay in the span of a, a week about and in order to get everything done. Same thing for the appeal. Our, obviously, our applications, I want to say, got denied, I want to say, November. And then, obviously, we submitted the appeals, too. And those also got denied. But that was another six, 7,000-word essay, essentially, that we had to write after doing all the research into the manuals and rules of the Coast Guard. And, yeah, those also got denied, too. So. Okay, so you did the, the process you followed they required, which was to seek a religious accommodation, fill out the form, turn it in, do the appeal, and it got turned down, do the appeal, still got turned down. Did you have conversations with people at the academy as to, and were you questioned about the legitimacy or the, or the um, you know, honesty of your assertion? Was that part, did you feel like they were questioning you don't really have this religious exemption? Or is it more just... We don't care what you think we're going to force you. Where would you, how would you describe the reaction from your superiors? Well, it seemed very much that they were trying to do pretty much everything in their power in order to make us get it. And then um, one of the big things about that was they had us have a talk with the chaplains, essentially, to, quote, judge our religiosity to see whether or not we're sincere in our beliefs. And while the chaplains that I was talking to came to the agreement that I was very much sincere in my beliefs, I really think it was a very, it was a really suspect kind of way of doing things. And it, it kind of showed that it was not really a religious thing as much as it was the government trying to make you do something. And obviously at that point, we realized that we were going to get denied pretty much no matter what we wrote in our accommodation letters. Yeah, to your knowledge, has anyone been given the religious accommodation in the Coast Guard? Well, as far as, as I'm aware, there's a couple people that got it, but funny enough, that was for people that were either retiring or separating with the Coast Guard that <laughs> had already had their papers submitted to separate, so. Oh, goodness. You also told me a story earlier, and, I, and it's not just the question of the, mil the Coast Guard Academy saying, uh, requiring the vaccine and not honoring or... Um, not be willing to make a religious accommodation, but you also talked about the conduct of the uh, things put in place toward you and others who didn't take the vaccine for COVID. Uh, you talked about a mask requirement, which I, I'd love to have you describe briefly how extensive that was, where you had to wear a mask, and then also about the idea that people were being on the academy grounds were being asked to following you and keeping track of what you're doing, looking for reasons to find some violations. Can you describe that? Yeah, well, this one's a kind of a long story because it takes place over the span of a whole year. But, yeah, there's plenty of uh, things that happened after that mandate that caused a lot of uh, pain in my life for a little while, whether that was, um, let's say, the assistant commandant of cadets, Commander Johnson, saying stuff like she, didn't, she really didn't care that they were violating the law and what they were doing, whether that was the commandant of cadets trying to quote, square up with me while he was drunk after Bill at night in the middle of the hallway for absolutely no reason. But, you know, there's a lot of subtle things too, such as forcing us to wear the masks. So for the entire time that I was there, essentially, I was forced to wear a mask, whether inside or outside. No, like, there's no exceptions. And this just sucks so much because at some point they allowed everyone else to take the masks off. So it really made me feel targeted as 
an individual who is seeking a religious accommodation to be being forced to wear something to identify him as such. And kind of like they could tell a mile away. Sorry, go ahead. Excuse me. I was just saying, and this led to um, a pretty big issue in which I was falsely accused of a hate crime, actually, uh, funny enough, and investigated by Sieges for that, of which I was found innocent. But I'll explain that one here real quick. Basically, what happened was I was just hanging out in the bathroom with one of my friends in between classes, and he, I was in a stall. He was in another stall. We were just talking. This is at the point where I still had to wear the mask, but everyone else got to take it off. And so he was saying, like, that really sucks. Like, why they got you doing that? I explained it to him, what was going on. And then at the end of the uh, statement, I said, well, it really feels like I'm wearing the Star David in 1940s Germany with what they're doing to us. And someone outside the door, who I guess must have been following me around, heard it and used it to file a, an anonymous complaint against me for a hate crime. Okay. I have the same reaction hearing this story a second time as I have when you were telling me this this morning. What's so absurd is, if anything, you're analogizing to and expressing sympathy for people, the Jewish people in Germany who had to wear the Star of David in the 1940s. You're not mocking them. You're, you're, you're expressing sympathy for and saying, yeah, this is, feels a lot like that. I, I mean, that's mind-blowing. And you did have a sense at that point that the military academy was having people kind of keep an eye on you to find things that you might say that were that would be a basis for some sort, sort of discipline? Yeah, so um, actually I had confirmation because uh, some of my friends are in what we call cadet commands who are essentially in charge of the rest of the cadets. You have to like file for those positions and then they'll, you'll get nominations and all that kind of stuff, but basically they're in charge of this. And so I actually got word from someone who's an MAA or master at arms from another company that they said their company was told to be on the lookout for us. They gave us their names for our names out to them and told us to be always on the lookout for them. And if we're, we have our mask down, if we're doing anything wrong, get us in trouble immediately so that they can kind of build a case against us as cadets. Honestly, you know, the term witch hunt gets used too much these days. It seems like it's like and the witch hunt, can be an overbroad description, but they were just determined to find uh, some way for you to be punished because you didn't want the vaccine and and following around this. And this particular example you're giving, I don't know if the person who turned you in was one of these, a member of one of these groups that was supposed to be keeping an eye on you people, but the, the mentality that would say, you'd overhear a comment like that and think that your duty or the smart way to react would be to turn you in and accuse you of a hate crime. I mean, it just, it seems like what in, what evolved at the military academy, at the Coast Guard Academy, was an atmosphere of suspicion and keeping eye on each other. And and honestly, every, anyone who feels like they're being watched, you're not in an atmosphere where it's pleasant, where it seems workable and reasonable. It, it creates a very hostile, you know, working environment, for lack of a better term. Is that fair? Yeah, it's pretty fair. And the thing about me is I don't really get stressed out very often. I kind of just let everything slide off my shoulder. So it really wasn't that big a deal. Like I walked into that investigation meeting. I told them you're not you're not going to get anything on me because that's not a comment. It's a hate crime. And then what do you know? A month later, I call them and they say that the investigation has been closed because they found that the uh, claim had no substance, essentially. But it's just really concerning to think that the academies are using scare tactics like this to try to get people to comply with what they're doing, regardless of 
whether or not it's the right thing to do. Like they always tell us sometimes you got to do what's right and that's not what's correct. And yet every single time there's an opportunity for something like that to happen, they always shut it down and try to get all the people in trouble, kicked out, and then sweep everything under the rug. So what occurred then to, um, one of, I, I mean, I'm very sorry you've gone through this. It's an embarrassment to tear the taxpayers fund these tremendously important military academies that whose members and whose graduates, you know, keep America safe and are willing to serve at a time when the military is struggling to get new recruits. I, I, I mean, I found it outrageous. And I, I'm entirely wrong. Your plan, I want to mention a couple of things. You talked earlier about, before we got on, about the di distinction first being told essentially going to be removed from the academy. So it's a Removal may not be the right word, dismissal, but then second, second to that, you were then told you're actually discharged from the Coast Guard. Those were two different decisions, right? Yeah, that's correct. So you can still get disenrolled from the academy, but still remain part of the Coast Guard. Let's say if you do something wrong, it gets you kicked out. You'll just go to the fleet and then serve as, let's say, a BM3 for a couple of years. And then um, some of them come back, some of them stay enlisted, and some of them get out. But... Um, Basically, what happened to me was they said sometime around late June, they told us to come back to the academy from our summer assignments where we got sent out to. I was actually in Duluth, Minnesota for five days, and then they told me to make the 1,400-mile drive back to the academy in the next three or bad things would happen. And essentially what they told us when we got back was that we were getting disenrolled from the academy. We got told that by the... Uh, admiral who's on base and we were given about a week to write our appeals to that after that we finished writing our appeals submitted them and then we kind of just hung out at the academy and did work parties which was just basically labor for the academy for the next month and some until we were eventually told that our appeals were denied as well and so that's what leads on to the next kind of thing that happened which was us getting discharged from the coast guard at a later date. So I can explain that if you want to. So what you're describing now occurred this year in 2022, right? Yeah, it was about two months ago. So so they, they have disenrolled you now, they've discharged you. So you have no formal connection to the Coast Guard except that at this time, except that you're involved, you're a member of a class action lawsuit being brought against the Coast Guard. Uh, and what is the remedy that your lawyers are asking for? So yeah, that's Thanks for asking that question, because it's a pretty common misconception that a lot of people have when they hear that I'm suing the Coast Guard. They always think that um, I'm trying to get some mon monetary value out of them. And I guess in a way I am, because what I'm suing for, as well as all the other people here, is we're basically suing to say that the Academy and the Coast Guard as a whole were wrong in what they did and allow us to get our jobs back. Basically, they weren't allowed to kick us out in the first place. So. Yes, in a way, I am looking for monetary value, but that's through spending my whole career in the Coast Guard. So you would like still reinstatement in in the academy and return to active status at Coast Guard? Yeah, that's my end goal here. So yeah. So could, do you know where that litigation stands? Like, what's the timing likely to get a decision? Yeah, that's the thing. Also, um, it's really just tough. Like for me. I'm not exactly super knowledgeable about how the law works, but as far as I can tell, it's going to take a while or it could take like three days. So it's just a uh, pretty much up to the judge on how fast they want everything to proceed here. So I guess with us now getting discharged last uh, September 23rd, 
supposedly supposed to speed things up a little bit, but that remains to be seen. So, yeah. Okay. So again, I want to hit this last point as we're rolling off, but you really planned on a career in the Coast Guard. You went through school, uh, willing to go to the Coast Guard Academy. I have to tell you, the, the military academies, I'd probably be in a lot better shape today if I'd forced myself to do that many, many decades ago. But you, it is hard work, hard academic work. It's hard physical work. I mean, it's not for every young person. The military academies are not there. They're, people wouldn't qualify. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle a physical strain as well as the academic rigor. So, I mean, I think that our military academies are full of people who just are the, you know, best and brightest, the cream of the crop are young people. And I, I find the whole situation so, it's bizarre, it's astonishing, and, and especially as more information unfolds about how the COVID vaccine doesn't really work anyway and doesn't prevent contraction, contracting, it doesn't prevent transmission, doesn't prevent death. The idea that this is the, um, this is the hang up. This is the reason to relieve people from military academies. I, I, I just find it deeply troubling. I'm terribly sorry. I'll give you one last comment for anybody for, for anything you'd like to say in wrapping up our interview today, then we'll roll on. I think I'm good. I think I've said everything needs to be said, you know, and then uh, people got, have got a good idea of what's going on at your uh, military academies and what they're producing right now. So just like to, uh, I guess I'll say one more thing. At least since I've been at the academies, I started out, it was, everything was great. Everything was normal. Obviously COVID made a huge difference in things, but I think I really sped along a lot of the wokeness that's been going on, that's been coming out of the government, the militaries, obviously with Biden getting elected, it's been, there's been a lot of changes, I should say. And then, um, yeah, it's just kind of tough to see, but that's how things are working out right now. And I hope to be, be reinstated at the academy and then spend a long career there in order to do my best to change it because if you don't if you aren't the one to do anything to change anything then no one else is going to be there there's no guarantee that anyone else is going to be there so if you want to if you want to see something done do it yourself yeah i couldn't agree more that's true in so many issues in america the people who care who are paying attention need to take charge and be willing to be active so uh first of all jen johnson thank you for taking the time to talk to me today thanks debbie Great having you. And I'll tell you one last thing quickly you said in the beginning, you want to make, you make a little statement about thanking STARS, S-T-A-R-R-S. I will tell you, uh, my listeners, uh, there are outside of every U.S. military academy, there's now a group of graduates keeping an eye on watching what's occurring in military academies. And this wokeness that is bad enough when it's in public school education or in private universities and in corporations and Disney and in government. I mean, the, the, the just avalanche of woke foolishness in this country is really, it's, it's amazing uh, to behold. It's astonishing to behold. But the consequence to America's future, our ability to have a strong fighting force who is able, which is it was trained and able to defend America, who believes in America. In fact, that's a, I know one thing they've been pushing at the Air Force Academy is examining what's being taught about America, how we used to understand America was unique and extraordinary and great. And that's, of course, what people were taught. So this effort to examine and put pressure on the military academies. It isn't just about whether or not you should remove people because of the COVID vaccination status. It's much deeper and larger. It's a question of the wokeness, which is essentially cultural Marxism leading to communism. That's what all the woke agenda is. It's cultural Marxism eventually leading to communism, loss of freedom, 
when that has embraced US military, all the US military academies, we really are in a place of danger in America and we are cultivating within the ranks of the military academies, people who've been taught to judge others by skin color, uh, like critical race theory thinking, instead of judging people by their content, their character and their uh, acumen and their commitment and their strength and all the qualities you need. It's a very dangerous thing that's happening in the military academies. It's not just a political fight between the right and the left or the R's and the versus the D's. It's a question of, are you cultivating a fighting force that loves America and is willing, it will emerge from the academies bonded to each other, bonded to the idea of America, loving America, willing to fight for America, which is not where we are right now, which is why there's so much activity to call the public's attention to what's occurring in America's military academies. Okay, now I'm off my soapbox. Jim Johnson, again, thank you for joining us. Yep, thank you. Okay, my friends, I'm gonna turn to a quick story about Kanye West. And you know, it's kind of funny because I don't really pay attention to these, to um, him as an entertainer or, you know, popular culture much, except we talked last week about how Kanye West had actually, along with Candace Owens, had joined in, um, had worn shirts at, I think it was in Germany. It was, it was at some festival. Anyway, they wore shirts very publicly, you know, T-shirts with the message, White Lives Matter. And Kanye West uh, was a, you know, early supporter of Trump, he got a little sideways. I mean, a lot of things happened. But in any case, Kanye West is really right with Candace Owens and trying and pushing this White Lives Matter thing. But do really just to make the point that in America, we cannot have policies. We can't have a, a country that is rooted in and pushed pushing endless claims of racial discrimination, racial division, racial stereotyping. He's trying to, it's a message uh, by the brilliant Candace Owens, Kanye West and others. We have to come together as Americans and stop letting left-wing lunacy and cultural Marxism divide us. So he wears a shirt, that was one thing. Well, anyway, Kanye West, he's been uh, active in other ways that make leftists crazy. Uh, one thing he did say, um, and I actually, as I say, don't pay attention to him much. So I'm gonna see when he said this. Yeah, this was earlier in, in this month, in October. Kanye West said in some public statement that Black Lives Matter was a scam. Now it's over. And so he's really poking the bear of the American left. He's really calling out Black Lives Matter, which on this show I've commented before, but in case you haven't heard it, and Black Lives Matter, uh, there's tremendous information available showing the original funding for Black Lives Matter came through a communist, a Chinese communist front organization here in America. Get that straight. Chinese communists who live to take down America, want to rule the world, want to control the world. They fund left-wing organizations in America. One of them was the one, the main funder of Black Lives Matter. The woman who did head that organization, in fact, I think still does, was among those who acknowledge openly, yes, we are trained Marxists. And so seeing Black Lives Matter as a political movement to bring down America, to bring America to its knees, to cause America to just divide and dissolve into fighting factions, this is the agenda of Black Lives Matter. I will say I have dear friends who are kind of conservative black women who don't really want to criticize Black Lives Matter because they think, because they do feel like in their lives, they have observed racism. They've observed racism against their husbands, themselves, their children, especially their sons. 
So I have uh, I have wonderful friends, women who are black, who would say, well, you know, Black Lives Matter has a point because there has been in America some discrimination. And that is true. No country on the planet Earth is free of discrimination. No racial group in America, no racial group is free of racism. There are racists in every ethnic, racial, skin color group on the planet Earth. It's not unique to any one group. So the Black Lives Matter movement got started in this country, and it did originally draw a lot of sympathy from people who just thought there was a uh, there was a huge and significant problem with American policing or got very, very upset about the George Floyd incident. But what's come out since then, and what I'm sure is in part motivating Kanye West is recognizing that the Black Lives Matter movement in this country is a political movement by our enemies who want to take America down. Not that every Black Lives Matter protester who's you know, gone in the streets of America and burned down buildings and, and rioted and protested, not everyone who's been part of the Black Lives Matter protests has any idea what the political agenda is behind it. There are people supportive of Black Lives Matter because they want to stand up uh, and oppose racial discrimination, because they want to try to make America a better place. They have no idea that the Black Lives Matter movement, so powerful in our country, was so powerful, was funded by the Chinese Communist Party and has as its root, cultural Marxism, the destruction of America as founded. Kanye West has figured that out. God bless that man for figuring that out. So he said those things, and this makes leftists in our country livid that he is actually pointing these things out. So two things happened uh, with Kanye West I wanted to mention. Uh, one is, you know, he's he is untethered by, unrestrained by any group in this country telling him what to say. He he speaks the truth he wants to speak, or that he, as he sees the world. So he did call out, which I thought was a great thing, Black Lives Matter, his words, was a scam, and now it's over. He also made some comments recently that were viewed to be anti-Semitic, and I deplore anti-Semitism. My husband and I love Israel. We love the Jewish people, the Jewish faith. We see much commonality between the Jewish faith and our Christian faith. We, I mean, anti-Semitism is pure evil, pure evil. I don't know what's motivating Kanye West, but I will say these things about freedom of speech in our country and about the culture of repressing freedom of speech that is now rampant in this country. So Kanye West made some comments that were viewed to be anti-Semitic. I think it's really important to understand if you didn't know this, um, in fact, I, I just learned it when I was getting ready for today's show. The so the first thing happened, Kanye West, is that the um, J.P. Morgan, who handles his millions and millions of dollars, invests his money. J.P. Morgan, his banker, essentially um, canceled him. You know, said that he had to move his money out of their bank, um, and so they gave him a, a short number of days. So he's got to scurry around and move his assets, his considerable assets, some other way to invest them in some other way. And so, you know, he, he responded to that. He had a few comments about that. Um, but I want to mention something I didn't realize till this morning, that J.P. Morgan made that decision or the dispute between Kanye West and J.P. Morgan started before Kanye West made those anti-Semitic statements. It was Kanye West was mad about their unwillingness to fund something he wanted them to work with, something that he, he had a dispute internally over banking issues. But I mean, he viewed them to be, he wasn't being treated fairly uh, by JP Morgan. And and so, but they have asked him to move his assets. And you know, I, I guess he doesn't really have any recourse. You can't make a bank open an account for you. And at the same time, he is announcing he is going to buy Parler. Parler or 
as my friend Katie Hopkins in the UK points out that the word parler, P-A-R-L-E-R, is French for to speak. I knew that because I was French in high school. And so the Brits and the French call it parler because it's the, the form of the French verb to speak. But in any case, Kanye West is going to buy parlor. Not sure where that stands. But it's kind of a funny thing because JP Morgan is saying, we can punish you because you say things we don't like. And he is trying to buy parlor, parlay, and to say, actually, I don't want there to be censorship of speech. I really don't think it's the right thing. I want to have uncensored speech in America. And so on Kanye West, I will just say there was a... Um, a little bit of sweet justice. He's going, if he does purchase Parler and he keeps it a free speech platform that's supposed to be, um, that, that would be great. And that'd be great for him, an uh, opportunity for him to express his views. The big thing in America on free speech is that, you know, it, it used to be what people understood about speech was that concept of free speech is even for those you disagree with. And that concept of, you know, I'll def I, I may not agree with what you think. I may not agree with what you say. I'll defend to the death your right to say it. And in America, one problem is it's bad enough that a private company, J.P. Morgan, if they were in the slightest motivated by Kanye West speaking up for White Lives Matter, Kanye West exposing Black Lives Matter as a scam, which it is, and Kanye West, whatever comments he made that he could be anti-Semitic, there may be a right for J.P. Morgan to tell him you got to take your accounts away. But this is a dangerous trend in America. I mean, even for private companies to treat people like that, a dangerous trend. We're going to talk in a minute about the government shutting down your speech, which is all the First Amendment is directed at, is the government you know, is not supposed to, under the First Amendment, take away your freedom of speech, although the Biden administration is doing a pretty darn good job. It's them in a moment. But in private sectors, if you agree with this idea, J.P. Morgan, well, if Kanye West made anti-Semitic statements, that's it, throw his money out. But just stop and think where this could go. Please, please think about where this could go. Suppose you were, for example, someone who was deeply, deeply into the science and understanding that the climate change alarmism is an alarmist political movement. The climate change hysteria lunacy that we see out of all sorts of international organizations, that you understood that to be, that you understand it's, it's concocted, it's exaggerated, there is no imminent world's going to end, you know, man caused climate change impending disaster, which is a, which is a fact. We've had people in the show talking about that, but just suppose that someone wanted to say that, that climate change is not something we have to get so hysterical about. And somebody at, who, you know, lost her home in her, in a, the uh, hurricane Ian in Florida, or had some other damage or loss that they said, well, this is due to you know, uh, climate change and all these crazy people denying climate change. So suppose those people band together and say to your bank, well, you shouldn't let people bank here who don't accept climate change alarmism. They have to salute to everything the UN says about climate or you should kick them out of this bank. You could pick issue after issue after issue where leftists will push their viewpoint to the point of threatening the well-being and life and freedom of others because leftists, it is, it is in their DNA. They cannot stand to let anyone else, anyone else say anything they don't agree with. This is a dangerous trend. What would be great is to have a lot of people pull their money away from J.P. Morgan and send the message to J.P. Morgan, stop politicizing banking. Just do your job. Do your banking, do your investing, and stop punishing people and stop giving in to left-wing pressure 
which I'm going to guess occurred, left-wing pressure to kick people out because they don't agree with your left-wing view. It's a dangerous trend unless we're all going to end up having, you know, the conservative banks and the liberal banks and the conservative grocery stores and the liberal grocery stores. You don't want corporations doing it. The right, I, I love that there's going to be parlor that's going to push back against YouTube or Twitter or other sources that are left-wing. The right answer is private corporations should just do their job. Shut up about politics. Tell leftists who push you to fire people, remove people, refuse to work with people, tell them to go away. Argue their, their ideas in the, in the realm of ideas in politics and leave business out of it. But anyway, I'm excited if Kanye West actually buys Parler because I think it's a it's a good way for him to get a voice out there. Uh, and I don't obviously if he really said anti-Semitic things, I simply do for that. Okay, we're almost out of time. Uh, for our radio listeners, very quickly, you're listening to America Can We Talk, and you can come to our website, americacanwetalk.org, at any time, and you can watch all our past shows, past interviews, everything we do is on our website. To close out today, though, I wanted to just say I had this quick heading. I think I called something about boldness. You know, we, we have in our country a great need for boldness. Uh, uh, Pro-America boldness is winning. So there was a great debate, a political debate, and this is uh, for the U.S. Senate seat in Ohio, J.D. Vance, is a Republican candidate. He's running against incumbent Tim Ryan. And I am telling you, J.D. Vance ate Tim Ryan's lunch at this debate. I just want to play a quickest clip. This is J.D. Vance at his his uh, debate with Tim Ryan at the um, in Ohio for the U.S. Senate seat. Thank you, we have a. So the, we have a. Hold on, J.D. Stop no, this is me. this is disgusting. I, I'd this, like to here, get here's more. exactly what happens when the media and people like Tim Ryan accuse me of engaging the Great, great Replacement Theory. I'll tell you, you were exactly, peddling it. I'll you tell you exactly what that. happens, Tim. What happens is that my own children, my biracial children, get attacked by scumbags online and in person because you are so desperate for political power that you'll accuse me, the father of three beautiful biracial babies, of engaging in racism. We are sick of it. You can believe in a border without being a racist. You can believe in the, the country without being a racist. And this just shows how desperate this guy is for political power. I know you've been in office for 20 years, Tim, and I know it's a sweet gig, but you're so desperate not to have a real job that you'll slander me and slander my family. It's disgraceful. Okay, we should all clap for him. J.D. Vance is really... Um... You know, what the left does to win any argument they want to win is any argument from climate, every issue you can think of, the left always goes to, if you won't agree with me, then you're a racist. So apparently J.D. Vance, I don't know, thinks we should have a secure border. I don't know what he's thinking about. He wants a secure border. And so what you had instead of the other side explaining why they don't care about a secure border, which is really all the left's political position is, they don't care if there's a secure border. They, they don't. I mean, they, Joe Biden doesn't enforce the southern border because he doesn't want to. And the Democrats don't enforce it because they're full on in favor of the invasion happening on our southern border. So to have Republicans say, I do, I want a secure border, the left has no defense of how they're conducting their, themselves at the border. So he goes to the argument of racism. J.D. Vance, I mean, had the, I, I didn't even know this about him, apparently has biracial children. I didn't know that. God bless him for the bravery of shutting Tim Ryan down. And I'm telling you, I think that alone should cause J.D. Vance to win this race. We have to stop letting the left divide America and accuse every conservative who ever says anything they don't like with being a racist. You only can shut them down and shut up that tactic by 
punishing the people who continue to do it. When Tim Ryan says you're racist, if you want to agree with open borders, he is an idiot. He is un-American and he's the racist. And the only way to shut them up and to stop this tactic of the left is to stop voting for them. Okay, I had more to say in that, but we're out of time. I close every show, every show, by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today talking about this uh, gotcha flops. Okay, I, I love that story. Reveals Democrat clueless. Dems attempt their own version of Project Veritas. <laughs> Fail spectacularly. Caught on tape. Big news. A House Freedom Caucus R rep from Arizona says electing him Republicans will make sure the J6 defendants are treated fairly. Can't have that. Make sure the FBI is broken up and make sure the House would impeach members of Biden's administration who clearly violated their oath of office. And he says all this while holding a baby. This is what Democrats believe will outrage and turn out their base and beat back a red wave. Democrats are unbelievably out of touch with the American people. Delaying or canceling the election is the deep state's last resort. And with and will they try it? The answer is yes. I'm afraid they are going to try it. Kanye loses J.P. Morgan but gains parlor. Kanye West's version of Christian conservatism is driving the left crazy. J.P. Morgan debanks West, who is a billionaire for unstated reasons. Timing of J.P.M. action makes it appear a retaliatory exercise of cancel culture mindset. J.P.M.'s actions are a vivid example of why central bank digital currency must be rejected. Bad enough private companies do this. This is what the government can do to you if we go to the central bank digital currency, CBDC. JPM and PayPal are vivid examples of corporate America consenting to join the regime policing. They're, play, they're paying a price due to public uproar, but will it be enough to cause real change? Uh, the, uh, Kanye West also moved to buy Parler, an early new social media effort to fight entrenched left-wing social media that was sabotaged and paralyzed early in the growth phase, virtually killing it. Can Kanye West restore Parler's momentum based on a real commitment to free speech? Will Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter destroy the left's stranglehold on propaganda? How big will Truth Social become? Social media wars have only begun. And on pro-America boldness wins, MAGA U.S. candidate from Ohio, uh, J.D. Vance, debated incumbent Dem Tim Ryan, leftist racialization of all things squarely put in play during the debate. Ryan voiced Democrats' constant talking point, equating support of strong borders with racism. I mean, people are sick of this. Anyway, Vance's reply in context of being the father of three biracial children, devastating to Ryan. Vance's reply using disgusting and disgraceful to describe Ryan's tactics is exactly what MAGA patriots have been waiting to hear from their candidates. J.D. Vance's debate clip has gone viral, fueling the November red tsunami. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you?